Donnie Brazil and Mike Madrid, both are still in the Navy, recently had, were on a deployment and discovered they both had this really great love of coffee. Decided to get in the coffee business and are here to talk about their new coffee business, Project Buna. Coming up next, I'm Veteran on the Move. Welcome to Veteran on the Move. If you're a veteran in transition, an entrepreneur wannabe, or someone still stuck in that J-O-B trying to escape, this podcast is dedicated to your success. And now, your host, Joe Crane. Navy Federal likes to show their appreciation on Veterans Day by saying thank you to veterans in a meaningful way. They're inspired by their members' service. If you're a veteran who would like to join a credit union that puts you and your needs first, visit NavyFederal.org slash veterans or check out hashtag gratitude mission. All right. Today on the show, we're talking to Donnie Brazil and Mike Madrid, both, uh, I'm say Navy veterans, but you're actually both still in the Navy, which is awesome. Love having some active duty entrepreneurs on the show. You both started a coffee business called project project Buna. So let's start off with, uh, let's start off with Michael. Um, Michael, go back, take us back a little ways and tell us what you've done up until, um, up until where we're at now, what you've done in the Navy. Sure. So I, uh, I went to the Naval Academy in Annapolis. I'm one of those, uh, I graduated in 2014. Uh, I was uh, commissioned as a surface warfare officer. Um, so in the Navy, those are the, the ship drivers and fighters. I went to my, uh, first ship, a destroyer, the USS Mustin based out of Yakuska, Japan and spent two years living overseas there, which was an awesome tour very busy. And then directly from there, went to another overseas destroyer, the USS Donald Cook. And that's based out of Rota, Spain. So that was another uh, chance to live overseas. Um, spent a lot of time, you know, operating uh, forward and, and getting to travel a lot as much as we could in our spare time. And then after those four years at sea, I came to DC. I've been here for about a year and a half, uh, going on two years now. Um, on a shore, what we call shore duty, a staff job uh, just outside the Pentagon. Awesome. How about you, Donnie? Uh, so I enlisted in the Navy back in 2001, just before 9-11. Um, I spent about 10 years uh, on the enlisted side. Then I earned a commission as a limited duty officer. Uh, so now I'm a surface electronics LDO. Um, as an officer, I, similar to Mike, Uh, My first duty station was out in Japan on one of the carriers. Then I moved out to Spain on the same destroyer as Mike. That's where we met up. Um, And now I'm here in the nation's capital on a little shore duty stint, and I'll be joining the fleet uh, next spring. Awesome. So uh, the way I understand it is when you guys came up with the idea for your coffee business, uh, Project Buna, you're you're on deployment in in Spain, correct? So tell us how that all came about. Yeah, so I'll take this one because uh, kind of it was uh, my curiosity that kind of motivated it. So I really never liked coffee so much that it, you would say that it was like a, a passion or anything. Mm-hmm. But one day I happened to try some specialty coffee that kind of just blew my mind. And I instantly got interested in it, but I quickly realized that the craft coffee world is kind of big. There's a lot of options. And so I was sitting there in the wardroom one day and uh, Mike was sitting across from me and a couple other people and asked, Hey, 
what would you guys think about us starting a little club, like a coffee club, and we'll all order some coffee and uh, see if we can maybe share and, and explore together. Well, long story short, that was a big hit. And at one point, we probably had, I don't know, somewhere around $2,000, $3,000 worth of coffee in the wardroom <laughs> because everyone was ordering it and getting it shipped over to Spain. And so that kind of launched our love for coffee was that little uh, coffee buyer's club, as we called it. Wow, that's awesome. So you got this great coffee club going. How, when, when did you make that decision uh, from an entrepreneurial perspective where you thought you might have something here? I remember we were on the ship and Donnie, Donnie asked me, he was like, Hey, what are you, what are you doing after this? What, what are you thinking about medium to long term?" And that seed got planted while we were there. Uh, I remember what space we were on the ship. Um, but then it was months. So he went to DC a little bit before I did. Um, and we all, we both got settled in here and shore duty has been great. It's a lot more uh, time on our hands per se than being on the ship underway. And one thing I'll say about Donnie that, uh, that is, I love us about him is that he, when he gets into something, he'll go down, uh, not the rabbit hole per se, but he will, he will research and he will become very uh, intelligent on that subject. And so when we were having that buyer's club, not only was there a ton of coffee on the ship, but there were French presses and Chemexes and arrow presses and burr grinders and all of this gear you would never normally see on a ship. And so we both got to DC and uh, we met up for, probably met up for a beer one night and started talking about uh, business ideas because we both had that um, entrepreneur streak that, you know, in, in the blood and the DNA that we wanted to start something and kind of learn by, learn by doing. And coffee made a lot of sense because we had built up that subject matter expertise. We had spent a lot of uh, time learning uh, about the coffee industry and about brewing. And it was just something that was very, you know, we were both very passionate about. Yeah. You know, I had a similar experience. I was, I was in Iraq, out in Western Iraq at Korean Village, this little fob. One of my fellow Cobra pilots, Pepper, he's making this coffee. And I'm like, what is that thing? He's like, oh, it's a French press. I'm like, oh, I've always heard of a French press. I've never actually seen one. And I, I, I was just drinking basic coffee for the caffeine effect more than anything. And I still distinctly remember the first time I ever had nice coffee, really good coffee, from a French press. Totally different category. Um, I don't make coffee from a French press on a regular basis. I just, but I, I can still handle the old <laughs> Folgers, you know, just for the caffeine if I have to. If I'm not a coffee snob, but I, that changed my mentality about coffee. I, I have a true appreciation for really good coffee um, ever since then. That was probably back in like 2007. So, um, so talk us through um, a couple of your first steps as far as. Um, making this into a business. Mike, do you want to take that one right now? Sure. I mean, uh, the only thing we were missing, I think was a garage. Uh, we were, we were meeting up, um, at least once a week in the evening after work, uh, whether it was for a beer or an espresso, even at like eight o'clock at night. And, uh, we're a little bit proud of this. We, it took us just six months. It was a few days shy of six months from our very first meeting where we said, you know, let's talk to the uh, date we officially launched the business public facing. Um, so that's a pretty, pretty short timeline, but we spent it uh, again, researching the industry, both locally and more broadly. We went through a lot of different business ideas. Uh, at one point, if you had asked us, we were going to be, you know, selling cold brew or espresso in cans ready to drink. Uh, we went through a lot of different ideas. And I think that's an important phase 
when you're an entrepreneur, you, you generate a lot and then you experiment with them. You test them out. Uh, you test out your hypotheses and, and you let the great ideas rise to the surface. And so we knew eventually that we wanted to uh, be in the roasting space, bringing quality coffee to people who like that story you just told and like our story on the ship, people who didn't know a lot about coffee, who thought it tasted burnt and bitter all the time and had to put tons of cream and sugar and never knew the areas it came from or the, the stories like that. We wanted to uh, make this world that we had journeyed into, make it more accessible to people. Um, and there's, you know, third wave coffee, as it's referred to, has, has uh, gained a lot of ground. I mean, people talk about fourth wave now. Um, so it's, it's been around and it's there if you look for it. But uh, in our experience, certainly in like the veteran and military circles, there's still a lot of, uh, a lot to be shared with people. Mm-hmm. So we knew we wanted to, to do roasting. We were pretty passionate about um, bootstrapping the business, about self-funding and, and not starting out with any debt. So we did that as well. And then I think the other, the other key thing we spent that time doing was meeting um, the other players in the space locally. So we would go to what are called coffee cuppings where you sample and test different coffees. A lot of the local roasters would have uh, kind of open events. You could get a ticket or you could, you could ask to join. And so we would meet the local roasters, talk to them about their business um, and what the scene was like and getting to know, you know, the local industry was super helpful both um, for our perspective and because that allowed us to, to start out uh, in a model where we had a partnership with an established roaster. And that really let us get off the ground. Like I said, without, without taking out any loans or without going into uh, to debt. That's awesome. Now. Okay. So I got a quiz for you guys. What is the number one commodity in the world? It's okay. If you don't know the answer, any, any ideas? Right now, I believe the idea is information is the number one commodity. <laughs> Maybe as a concept, but like a physical <laughs> physical commodity, the number one commodity in the world is oil. Yes. Yeah. So, but here's the point. What's the number two commodity in the world? Coffee. Yes. And it's the second most drunk <laughs> beverage in the world as well. <laughs> it's what? And it's the second most drunk beverage in the world as well. No kidding. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Um, so... Yeah, uh, a friend of mine whose son's a coffee roaster um, pointed that out to me a couple of years ago. And I'm like, God, I never, never actually realized that. Anyways, coffee's big, right? So um, when you guys jumped into this, did did you discover like what's your opinion? Is the coffee is the coffee industry, the coffee business? Is it is it saturated? I mean, there's a lot of good veteran coffee businesses out there. Of course, everybody thinks of Black Rifle and all that, but um, there's a lot of other. I've had even had them on this show. Other veteran coffee businesses. Um, is it saturated? And, and if so, um, how did that affect your, um, business plan and your, your tactics on how you had to go into the saturated business? Um, that's an interesting question. Uh, in one way you can look at it as the industry is saturated, but the way that we viewed it is that it's saturated in areas that, um, have been done over and over and over again. So you've got commodity coffee. Um, they're the, they're the ones that are going to fill say Folgers and, and those types of companies that you're never going to break into. Mm-hmm. Um, then you could go into like coffee shop culture. Um, that is probably stretched to the, its max. You look at how many customers you would need to be able to effectively run a cafe um, so you would have to look at an urban area. How many are there? 
what's the footprint and you're going to have a hard time making your way into that space as well. But when it comes to direct consumer, um, it, it is saturated in a way that, um, you could, you could throw a a net out there and catch about 10,000 fish, but it's not saturated in a way where the consumer can understand it. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to, uh, leverage the idea of that local word of mouth culture, but getting that and working that into the e-commerce space, because um, I think that I I sat here one day and I I just Googled craft roasteries and I sat there for three hours and probably went through about a thousand different websites of different uh, roasteries but nobody has ever heard of them except in their local little network. So we're trying to use our uh, large dispersed network, having been in the military and been at multiple duty stations and learning how to grow that um, global type idea with our personal network. Wow. Okay. Well, Hey, that's a good stopping point. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. There's lots of ways businesses like to show their appreciation to veterans on Veterans Day. It's a great day to get free food and see a movie for free, but at Navy Federal Credit Union, every day is Veterans Day. Navy Federal likes to show their appreciation by saying thank you in a meaningful way. They're inspired by their members' service. They make it their mission to understand the unique needs of veterans and offer the resources, products, and services that will help their members every step of the way. They offer low APR credit cards, market-leading saving rates, and 24-7 customer service and support. They have partnerships with Veterans Employment Assistance Programs and resources like Best Careers After Service and Best Cities After Service. If you're a veteran who would like to join a credit union that puts you and your needs first, visit NavyFederal.org veterans or check out hashtag gratitude mission. Insured by NCUA, value claim based on Navy Federal's 2019 member give back study. All right, back talking with uh, Navy guys, uh, Donnie Brazil and, and Mike Madrid. Um, your coffee business is Project Buna. So we're, we're, we're the first half of what we we're talking about was kind of leading up to you guys actually going into the coffee business. So you went, you went back and forth. You did a lot of testing. You did, you sounds like you tested markets, tested ideas, um, all good stuff and scissors jumping in blindly. So what did, what did you guys finally decide upon on, on what your coffee business was going to look like, what, what it was going to do? and what it was going to provide. Yeah, I'll take that question. So in the coffee roasting industry, the uh, single largest barrier to entry is the price of a roaster. Um, We knew that we didn't want to saddle the company with that debt initially. And so there are a couple models out there that um, the industry works under. Um, You can do wholesale uh, coffee roasting, where you're essentially just buying coffee from another roaster and then uh, labeling it and packaging it and selling it uh, on your e-commerce site or in retail. But then there are two other interesting models. Um, one is called toll roasting, and then the other is called slot roasting. And basically the difference between the two is toll roasting, you work with the roasting facility, um, you design your coffee, you roast with them, and ultimately, they are creating your product alongside with you. Um, that's what we launched into was a toll roasting model. So we didn't have to have that facilities um, 
overhead in our uh, accounting. We didn't have to buy a roaster. So it made it a lot easier to enter the space. Um, we're working in now in a kind of a hybrid version of the toll roasting model and the slot roasting model, where in the slot roasting model, we rent time on someone's machine. We go in and we actually do the crafting and everything pretty much from A to Z. And that has uh, put us in a position now, um, I mean, we're only a little over a year old, where we can be very dynamic. We work with multiple roasting uh, facilities. Um, for example, when I move down to my next duty station, I'm going to be able to take some of the operations with me to that duty station and continue with a toll roasting model or a slot roasting model. And then that put us in a position to create this new product um, or service. I don't know how you'd want to frame it um, that we call a crowd crafted coffee. Um, and I think Mike has a really good uh, description of how that is. So it was one of our earliest ideas and I will say, you know, to, to Donnie's point, we're just over a year old and going into 2020, we sat down and asked ourselves, you know, if, if we think of this as an experiment, you know, the name of the company is project Buna and Buna, by the way, is, is coffee in the language of Ethiopia, which is known as the birthplace of coffee, that official language, uh, the word for coffee is Buna and those characters are our logo. But the other half of our name is project. And we have had a consistent approach to um, this life experience of uh, testing things out of uh, learning and self growth and treating it like the opportunity that it is. And so we sat down at the beginning of 2020 and we asked ourselves, what are we going to be, you know, really disappointed if this, this project ends and, you know, we never tried out this, that, or the other idea, or we don't want to have any of those types of regrets. And one of those was uh, what we now call crowd crafted coffee. And that was this idea that you could take a group of people together and share the creative process with them and let them take creative ownership and design their own coffee product. And that's both an opportunity to share a lot of information about the coffee industry, which is in line with our goal of helping people kind of understand this world of coffee that's out there. Um, but also it's something that we were just really passionate about because we saw lots of opportunities where, um, you know, these decisions are being made uh, in, a, in a creative sense, in a craft sense. And as a consumer, you don't usually get to see all of those things, let alone have, uh, have a, a say in them. And coming from the military, um, as you know, there's a strong tribal sense that, you know, we grew up with that uh, you're part of a unit, you know, for us on a ship or a squadron if you're a pilot. And so that, that tribal sense of bringing groups together to do something as a, as a team bonding, you know, and, and to have a, a custom product at the end of that, that really resonated. And so we, we did our very first crowdcrafted coffee with the crew of our old ship, those people that were in that coffee buyers club. Hmm. And over the course of two months, we, we shared with them all this different content, videos and, and written on a website, and they got to choose the continent and then the country and then the actual farm. Uh, from which they wanted to source the coffee and we contracted it and imported it. And then we roasted it several different ways and we let them, you know, choose the profile. They got to design the bag, custom colors, custom logos. And so at the end of this experience, which was a fun, you know, opportunity to, to be together, especially since a lot of us hadn't seen each other in, in several months, uh, everybody also had multiple bags of coffee that their name was on the back. They actually designed it, it makes great gifts. It's, yeah. it's really fun. It turned out to just be a, an absolutely delicious coffee from Mexico. 
And so we're building that into the business model as one of our core product lines is this, this custom experience that you can sign up for as a group and come out the other end with a tangible thing. That's really cool. How long does it take to like from beginning to end to start bring the group together and say, we're going to come up with our own crowd crafted coffee. How long does that usually end up taking? <laughs> for, that, Whoa, for that first so, one. <laughs> yeah. The first one was Go probably, ahead, who knows, but yeah. well, we're laughing because, because COVID, right. No one, yeah. no one wants to hear more about it, but uh, uh, the, that first one we did was uh, during the summer of 2020. And so um, COVID naturally s- slows down a lot of supply chains. So it took us about yeah. uh, just shy of two months uh, because we hit some unexpected delays, which that's not you know, bad. The, the cohort was, yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't bad. And the cohort was, was awesome. We had a lot of fun. I think that once we're, once we're humming and going, I think you could do it in a matter of uh, weeks. Um, you could probably get it down to a month or, you know, we've also talked about if we're able to get people together, you know, in a, in a future world, um, you could have two events with your team. You'd have one event where, you know, we come and we present and we, we, sh- we share about the continents and the countries and the farms. And you come out of that meeting with, with those choices. And then we come back a, a short time later with, and in, in the coffee world, it's called a cupping where you have different uh, types of coffee laid out. And it's a very rigorous process for comparing them uh, with controls and things like that. But it's also a fun thing to do. And so we could do a coffee cupping and let people try the different uh, roasting profiles and, and make a choice there. And so you really could do it uh, very in a very interactive way um, and on a pretty, pretty short, snappy timeline. Yeah. And is, I guess, were you guys able to do, do the crowd craft crowd crafted coffee concept remotely? Like you didn't have to bring everybody into a room and do a taste test, right? No, the way that we did this one, uh, we did all of the content virtually. And then when it came to that time to taste them, we did a live event where Mike and I sat there and we did a cupping and we described to them what we were experiencing so that they could still get the data. Um, but no, it's a product that can be done completely virtually if we need to. Um, or if, uh, the opportunity arises, we can do it live, uh, with a group of people. Yeah, that's really cool. Now is, is that the main, the main focus uh, of your business? Um, that's what I want to get into next was maybe, maybe some of the financials or where, where most of your revenue, uh, you're expecting that to come from. Um, is it just online sales or do you think the crowd crafted, coffee concept might be your focus and main effort in the business? Well, that's an interesting question um, coming from the coffee, like number crunch world. Um, basically co- coffee comes in a green, a big burlap sack, green coffee. And you can kind of, as a company, um, you know, do the math. This bag of green coffee is going to yield us this much profit at a given price point. Mm-hmm. Um, the crowdcrafted thing, yes, it, it is going to be a featured thing for our company, um, but it doesn't really affect the other part of it. It actually just kind of dovetails in because what ends up happening is a given crowdcrafted project, we have to buy physical green coffee. And unless it's a large group of people um, that is going to exhaust the amount of green coffee that we're going to import, we actually then offer that uh, up for retail um, on our website or in our subscription service. So really our primary numbers, it's always retail driven or subscription driven, but the crowd crafted kind of facilitates that in a lot of ways. 
Interesting. Yeah. Um, like, I wonder if, I wonder if, uh, like if you have, um, like the name of your ship, um, did you guys, did you guys come up with your specific name or just name the, that brand of coffee after the ship? Um, it's named, uh, it's named project 75 because our ship was DDG 75 Okay, and all of our, all of our current product lines are numbered projects. Um, I would say two things. I would add two things onto that. Um, one is that, uh, so, so yes, absolutely. We think that crowdcraft is going to be, um, part of the business model and, and Donnie went and got a, a bag that he can show you on camera. But I, I think what, one of the things that gets us most excited about crowdcrafted and this ties, you know, nicely into the theme you brought up earlier, Joe, is that it's a, it's a unique thing. It's a niche. It's, something we actually haven't seen a lot of other businesses doing. Mm -hmm. And so I think one of the big advice to people who, you know, want to start a business is um, to look for that thing that makes you break out, look for that thing that makes you unique, that you can carve out your own section of the market. And I think that's, that's very powerful. And then the other thing I would say is Donnie mentioned subscriptions. Um, You know, we, we launched a, a subscription service a little ways into our first year and we immediately were, were like, wow, we should have done this even sooner because that uh, recurring revenue yeah. and that loyal customer base is fantastic. So I would, yeah. I would plug, you know, the idea of, of, of subscriptions, the idea of recurring revenue and, and also just this idea that in business, sometimes you have to, you have the, the fun thing that is an experiment. That's a project for us. was crowdcrafted. Most recently, we've got a couple other things in the skunk works. Um, and then you have your core business that is financially supporting you know, your more innovative ideas as you incubate them. And that's an interesting relationship and balance to think about. Yeah. You know, I think there might be like, what I'm thinking is there might be some cool opportunities there where, um, granted the current crew of, uh, you know, DDG 75 came up with that brand of coffee, um, crowdsourced, if you will, but f- future and former members, you know, crew members of that ship, might zero in on that. Like I want some of that too. And they might there have been a, a part of the original. So there could be a, you know, it could just a lot more. There's a large that. secondary market. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a term, a secondary market. So that's really cool. Um, and, and who knows, maybe there, have you even, uh, there might even, if it becomes a big secondary market, I mean, maybe there's a way for the organization that owns that brand. Like in, after it's over with who owns the brand, who owns the DDG 75 coffee is it still you guys or is it the yeah (laughs) (laughs) well so you're you're from the military background uh so you can understand what what i'll what i mean by this but you know the the challenge coin right oh yeah so every unit has a challenge coin and what we're the way we've described crowdcrafted coffee is in that context is it's a consumable challenge coin and so the idea would be to try and get the, you know, people to be proud of what they've created and want to have it. And then, you know, squadron to squadron or ship to ship or unit to unit. Hey, what's your consumable challenge coin look like or taste like? So, yeah, you guys might have a challenge coin, but do you have your own coffee? <laughs> just, uh, yeah. yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, like, can you talk through like volume or number of customers or financial or what, what kind of numbers can you throw at, throw at us? Like where you guys are at right now? I'd say that it's, it's modest. And, uh, I think the important thing there is we've grown very organically and we've grown, um, 
you know, we, we have forayed into the advertising and marketing space. We've spent some money there and we've learned a lot of valuable lessons. And I think what I would encourage the listeners to do is, is if they can, this has been a unique time in our lives and careers for us because we're able to, to experiment with this business while we're still active, while we're still, you know, our livelihoods are secure. And, and so it's sort of, you know, no, no entrepreneur gets to, gets to kind of have that experience where the business can go as slow or as fast as we need it to. Um, and it's not what's putting, you know, dinner on the table for us, but in the next phase of our lives, when, when we are a full-time entrepreneur or a full-time business owner, you know, we have had these years to learn and to experiment um, and to test out ideas. And I think that's really valuable. So I, I'd really encourage your listeners if they, you know, we're lucky in that sense, right? And not everybody will have that, that chance, but if they can take advantage of it. You know, I'd like to ask, um, you're both still on active duty. So can you talk a little bit to the uh, um, intricacies and delicateness of being on active duty while you're starting your own business and running your own business? (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah. I can talk about that at length. We almost didn't start <laughs> because of my job. Um, mm-hmm. so we had, we, you have to get, uh, you know, approval for, um, secondary employment and I work in a, in a secure environment. Um, and my approval process was quite exhaustive. I had to sit down with the JAG for a while, talk about what we're doing I wanted to know where we're importing coffee from. Um, if we had like yeah. direct relationships yeah. with people in foreign <laughs> countries and this, that, and the other. So it was a little bit of a dicey proposition, but once they understood what we were doing, um, I got the full gr- thumbs up and, uh, haven't had any issues since that initial couple month process of getting approval. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you definitely went with the, ask permission, not beg forgiveness approach. Uh, yeah. I couldn't risk losing my security clearance because of a, <laughs> a, a coffee company. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, that's definitely a thing. So, you know, if you're still on active duty and you're looking at starting a business, which I would recommend you try to do it while you're still in um, and, and have that, have that structure and possibly even profit going before you, you actually get out or retire. That's definitely the perfect transition plan. So, um, all right. So how do we find, uh, how do we find Buna coffee? Well, uh, as Donnie indicated, we are a company built around e-commerce. So you can find us on the web at projectbuna.com and Buna is spelt B U N A. Um, we've got a social media presence for sure. Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and, you know, we deliver locally in the DC area in the Northern Virginia area for free um, as part of, you know, building that local sense of community, but we also mm-hmm. ship anywhere in the country. And we uh, also ship overseas to FPO and, uh, and AP because that we were sailors who lived at those addresses for, for many years. And so we know the pain of getting mail or, or not getting mail out there. So yeah, yeah. we wanted to, to make sure we could ship to them. Awesome. Well, cool. Um, I wanted to, I'll give each one of you a chance to answer um, if you just want to have a stab at it. But if you're talking to somebody who's still in or they're in a transition on the way out here soon um, and they're looking to get in entrepreneurship and they want to start their own business, they want to run their own show, uh, some of the lessons you guys have learned here recently, what kind of advice would you have for them? 
I'll start with a lighthearted one uh, and then I'll kick it to Donnie. My lighthearted one is don't try to do your own taxes or your own business taxes. <laughs> and as you can guess where that advice came from, we did our first year. We were like, oh, like how hard can this be, right? Small numbers and, and very simple in and out. And oh, dear Lord, we had no idea what we signed up for. We, we were for weeks with our eyes bleeding with IRS instructions and, and documents and forms up the wazoo. And mm. so don't try to do that. We eventually um, had a good friend uh, save us at the uh, 11th hour and, um, and help us file because he, he has a business in that world. But uh, short, short, but sweet, uh, lighthearted, but very true. Don't, don't try to do it yourself. Buy the software or hire someone. All right. Good advice. Um, for me, uh, I've been in the Navy quite a lot longer than Mike. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm nearing the end and, uh, that transition from a career into the private sector, you know, you're limited with, uh, maybe options or the way you view your options. And one of the things that really motivated me to, to do Project Buna with Mike was, uh, the concept, uh, Teddy Roosevelt, his quote about the man in the arena. Mm-hmm. Um, don't be afraid. If you've got uh, something that interests you, something that you're passionate about and something that you want to do, just get out there and do it and learn. Don't be afraid of not knowing what's going to happen. Just get out there and try your idea out and be in the arena. Awesome. Well, hey, guys, projectbuna.com. Check them out. Uh, Appreciate you guys being here and uh, awesome interview. And thanks for sharing your uh, success story. Look forward to seeing your future success. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Joe. We appreciate it. Three veterans or Oscar Mike. Thank you for listening to Veteran on the Move, your pathfinder to freedom. If you like the show, leave us a review on iTunes. Reviews are always greatly appreciated. So until next time, this veteran is Oscar Mike. <laughs>